We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD, if you want to follow me there on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, on Monday for uh, Mondays with McCool, James McCool, from Pay Dirt DFS, also the co-author with me of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. Go pick up the 15-hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com. And as always... Give me those thumbs ups first. First thing in the door. Give me the thumbs ups. I see you guys in the YouTube chat. Um, it matter. We get we get some new people in there. We got a couple of new people. Right, it's NFL season. People come in. Hit that. Hit that subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. I see Baker Baker Helton. He was here like two hours ago, posting on uh, on why why I what okay. Just just to answer his question, Baker, your question on why I had the like the super stack. In that one lineup, is it because I made a mistake? That that was that was my dummy lineup. I I I did a 150 build and then I did a 25 build. So the 25 build is basically my single entry in three max and five max lineups. And then I go in and I select the lineups I want and then I export it to there. For whatever reason, I was swapping out people in lineup HQ, uh, and I accidentally swapped to the same lineup I already had. If you ever use lineup HQ on the save lineup screen, it kind of screws. You have to like delete both of them and then add them back in. But it was 1258. So uh, I didn't have time, which basically meant my lineup was duplicated. And then the last line in my CSV would not be filled, which means when I upload it, it'll give me an error on the last line. And the last line obviously was uh, was that the uh, Cowboys Chargers super stack as my, my dummy lineup because... It's a lock hit. There you go. Right. It's a th- what a $33 lineup or something like that, which is still, which is still fine. I was considering super stacking that entire game, like going to complete for, for small field stuff. Uh, but uh, that got, that got stuck in my dummy lineup. So, 
So th- there, there's the answer. I know he couldn't be be here with us, but he was asking a question an hour and a half ago in the YouTube chat. Uh, so James, yeah. uh, I, yesterday, well, obviously we're going to review yesterday. Uh, I got almost everything right yesterday. I made money. The problem is I didn't get, Like you could get nine out of 10 things right and still lose. And the thing that I didn't get right was that uh, I had, I, in in Derek Henry, zero of 150. (laughs) Everything else was fine. Everything, everything else was beautiful. Just not having the the highest score on the slate in the running back position, especially in the running back position where no one comes close to 50 points. I just, I just didn't happen to have that. So, uh, so I did, I did get, uh, you know, like 12th place in the spy. I did, I did. I mean, I, I had a profitable day, uh, you know, cashed both sites, uh, FanDuel and DraftKings. So like, I'm, 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 I'm happy, right. You know, I'm making, making up some of the money that I lost for week one. Uh, but you, you ain't going to get the nuts without a, without the 50, 50 point Derrick Henry. And in the first half, you're like, ah, nine for 18. Okay. Don't have to worry about Derrick Henry. It's like, no, you always have to worry about Derrick Henry. You always like that's, like, it doesn't matter. It's fourth quarter, five minutes to go, and he has six fantasy points. He could end with 34. I mean, just like at any time. So uh, uh, what, what were your, what, what was your, uh, your outlook and results and review that uh, in your lineups yesterday? Uh, I made $51. Okay, so that's good. That's but you're good. just playing GPP. Yeah, just GPP. Okay, so that's, that's actually pretty good. Pretty happy about it. Yeah, uh, made $51. Um, I did have uh, some some upside in the power sweep. So I was sitting at like 46th in the power sweep or something like that. I had a, a Seattle, Tennessee stack going. Um, I had Cortland Sutton in that lineup. I had some pretty decent running backs. I had the Minnesota defense. So I did have defensive touchdown as well. Did, did you did you have the stack of what? what? Did you have like Wilson Lockett, Julio? Wilson Lockett, Metcalf, Julio. Oh, okay. oh, so you played the double, the doubles, the yeah. Russ double. So I, okay. I had upside in that lineup, and I was sitting there, and I was probably Who are you like, playing a running? Well, hold on. Who are you playing a running back in that expensive of a line? Damian Harris and uh, Daryl Henderson. Henderson? Okay. I thought maybe Chase yeah. Edmonds or something. Like, obviously, obviously, it's two cheap running backs. Okay. So yeah. continue. Yep. So two mid-range running backs, Daryl Henderson and uh, Damian Harris. I had Damian Harris in all three of my lineups. Uh, loved him this week. Um, and then in that lineup with Cortland Sutton, I had James O'Shaughnessy at tight end. So like, I did need to have some, some cheap spots in order to make it work. But in my projections, I had Seattle projected about 13 points higher, that stack higher than any other stack combo that I could have. So really wanted to make that Seattle thing happen. And it was happening. It was happening. Um, and then, and then Seattle just like, entirely fell apart and stopped doing things at the end. Derrick Henry did his thing. Um, it, it was Derrick Henry that knocked me back for sure, but I did have upside in that. Um, that lineup was the only one that cashed out of my three, but I cashed high enough that I still ended up like making $51. So Right, but you only, you only played three lineups though. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Not like me who played 175 lineups. Right, yeah. For, for NFL season, I only play three lineups. Sometimes I'll play five, but most of the time it's three because I'll max the power sweep and then um, I'll just play like across whatever else I feel like entering. But um, did you play in your three lineups, James? Yeah. Did you play anyone from the Chargers-Cowboys game? Yes. Uh, did you play running backs? No. 
Oh, so you did. So, uh, so, so how did, so how did you handle that game? So I, I mean, I had it projected really, really well. I had uh, the Cowboys stack, the second highest projected stack on the slate, and then the Chargers stack, the third highest. So like they, I mean, when they're that high, um, I don't usually go out of my way to get away from them. And I knew because my Cortland Sutton projection was just ridiculous yesterday. I, I had him projected for like 26 fantasy points or something. And uh, I knew that he was going to be like 1% owned. I knew that I was going to be on Damian Harris and Daryl Henderson, who I did not think that we're going to, we're going to be all that high owned. Um, I, I liked a lot of kind of like ancillary outside stacks. I faded Najee Harris. So that was like, I was fading spots outside of that, that I didn't have projected very well. I faded Cooper cup, rip me. I faded Najee Harris, like faded the high priced running backs. Um, so I had enough to where I did have a charger stack that ended up doing, you know, obviously terribly, but I had Corland Sutton with DJ Chark with it with, uh, I think it was, that lineup I might've had Neam Hines with Damian Harris. So like I was, I was off the board enough on my secondary correlations in my running backs that I didn't really need to fade what I had as one of the highest projected stack combos of the entire slate and, you know, highest over under for Vegas. Like I thought that it was fine to, to go that route. And I went Jared Cook in that lineup. So I avoided, I went Jared Cook and Mike Williams. I avoided Keenan Allen. I avoided Mari Cooper and went with CD Lamb instead. So like I did a lot of things to try to make it so that my ownership was still low enough. I had enough leverage at other spots to where I could actually still play that chargers lineup. Um, and then my other stack was a Pittsburgh stack to leverage the Najee Harris chalk, uh, which went okay. It wasn't great. It would have been better for me to go to Las Vegas side, but um, overall, I mean, I, I knew where my leverages were. Every single lineup had some sort of leverage in it. Right. And, and that's what we talk about all the time. You just need to make sure that you're building lineups, especially when you don't have three lineups like me. You really need to make sure that you're taking stands uh, with effort and with intention. Um, that Pittsburgh stack against Najee Harris, the Chargers stack with like four one percent owned players. Um, just give yourself a chance to win, and that that's the way that I try to handle it. Right, and I, I do the same thing. I played twenty five single entry, three max, whatever type of lineups, mm-hmm. and I, I I virtually hand build. I mean. Essentially, I pick lineups out of lineup HQ. I run, it's like, okay, how many of this do I want? How many, you know, how many stacks of, you know, Ben Roethlisberger do I want? Uh, and then go through, run 50, right? With the, the right configurations, with the secondaries and everything, and then look through them and go, what, you know, what do I want? Oh, I still, I'm, having, I'm getting too much of this guy. Like, I, I'm not going to continue to play lineups with this guy, in it, you know, like, and do something and then pick and then save. And then, then you do that. So mm-hmm. saves the time of me having to tap through and like, I want to look at whole lineups, but uh, yesterday uh, in my 25 single entry, three max, whatever type of builds uh, I played none, none of no Dak stacks, no Herbert stacks. And I think I had a, I think I had a Mari Cooper in two lineups. Uh, I did play Zeke and Eckler in a couple of them. So I played the running backs because they were going to be lower owned than anyone else. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we take a look here, uh, Eckler across the board was under 10%, 8%, 7%, 7%. 7% uh, and Elliot, Elliot was owned. Okay, Elliot 15-ish, 16-ish percent. I just figured that that the, the way that the, the wide receivers in that game bust is because of the, of the running games. Right. So I don't mind, I don't, especially since I need to fill 
I still need to fill the running back spots because I'm playing a stack of another game and I'm not going to play the running back in those stacks. So, you know, I, I went to the other, the, the, the two other games, but the qualifications that I need for the stack, especially in small field, uh, uh, single entry type of stuff is can I, can I get the quarterback and two pass catchers for like under 16,000? Like I need this, like, I don't like doing, unless it's really small field. If if we're talking about 300 people, I don't mind the double stack for Russ. I don't mind playing both Lockett and Metcalf at 7K. Like, I don't mind that because you don't have to be perfect. You only have to be 300 people. But once we start getting past 1,000, 2,000, 5,000, the largest was 5,000. So, I mean, it's not like, it's not the Millie maker. It's not the slant. Uh, I always want to find, like, if if I'm playing Russell Wilson, it's with Gerald Everett in it. Right. It's one of the two main receivers and then him in the tight end spot. Kyler Murray, like basically Kyler Murray and Tom Brady fit fit that bill more more than anything else. So Kyler Murray, uh, like I even said on the advanced sports analytics show, you don't have to play with DeAndre Hopkins because he's a rushing quarterback. So I played lineups where it's uh, Kyler Murray and Rondell Moore. I played a lot of A.J. Green and thank God he got the I mean, he. It would have been better to have more, but he did. He did. He got a touchdown. He did. He, he, had he got there, man. He 13 there. points for, for 3,700. So, I mean, whatever. He Two points less than DeAndre Hopkins. So, I was playing a lot because then you. what I would do is play Murray plus a cheap wide receiver, and then I could run it back with Justin Jefferson right on the other side. But I also played uh, Murray plus Hopkins and then run it back with KJ Osborne. So, like – it's since I'm making those configurations, like if the run back is cheap, then, then it makes the whole, you know, the whole kind of stack game stack palatable from an expense perspective. The problem with the, the Seahawks game is that like all the, all the run backs on the Titans are expensive. And then if you stack it with Tannehill, which saves you 1200 at quarterback, well, it's still a run. You're still playing Metcalf or Lockett as the run. I mean, like, so it ends up being to me, the, the price I still play plenty. I still, I still played Russell Wilson. I still, and, and out of the 25 lineups, I played three, three uh, Seattle, but the main, the main targets on, on the slate that out that I wasn't going to play the Chargers game was Tampa Bay with Tom Brady, Kyler Murray and Josh Allen. Like uh, you, you name those three quarterbacks, right. And then alongside Russ, obviously uh, you go, well, these guys could put up 35 points, any game like Brady, Brady could throw for 300 plus with the weapons he has. And then the other did Josh Allen. I mean, Buffalo Bills throw the ball a ton, right? And then Josh, the Josh Allen stacks fit that parameters also. Diggs plus, and then the, the Sanders or Beasley are both under 5K. And I run it back with Jalen Waddle, right? Mostly Jalen Waddle and some Devontae Parker. And it's like, okay, that, that makes sense. Uh, and then the, the game I took a flyer on was the, was the 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 Raiders Steelers game? Uh, I played a I, I played a couple of Ben. Because more more likely than that the, the problem is with the with the Raiders is that I want to double stack Carb and then I have to use Waller and then it's just a matter of Rugs Edwards Renfro. There's just a lot. How many? How many? Either I want to either I I have a preference or how many lineups do I need to make it to 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 do this correctly? Like in my 150 build, I played like four or five car lineups, but it was like one with Edwards, one with Renfro. Like I have, but 
out of 25 in my single entry builds, how many car lineups do I want to play? I played, I played two, right? And then on the Ben side, it's much easier because Ben, you could just pair with two of the pass catchers. And they're both like 6K or Chase Claypool's 5,600. And then you run it back. Then, then you could run it back with Waller. I, I run, run it back with Kenyon Drake. You fill the running back slot. I don't mind with the run backs and running back slot if they're pass catching, you know, heavily, you know, Chase Edmonds types, you know, like Kenyon Drake, you know, someone that's going to catch five, six passes out of the backfield as a primary role. So I played a bunch of those, but I mean, and I think I played a, a Jared Cook, Zeke Elliott lineup, right? Like that. I just was trying to just like this to me, it was the easiest to just avoid, just avoid the chargers Cowboys game. And then you, then I, I was playing Najee Harris and Chris Carson in line, right? Like I was playing the two chalk running backs in a lot of lineups because, and because why not? I'm not playing any of the game that is going to be completely overowned. Uh, and that in the line said I didn't play them. I, I, I would play like uh, like Daryl Henderson, Damian Harris. Like I wasn't paying up, or I was playing Zeke or Eckler or something, something negatively correlated to that. To me, I thought I thought I thought it was a fairly straightforward strategic slate that what you were gonna do is either get different at running back or get different in the game stack. I just thought it was easier to get different in the game stack than anything else. Like, like 24% on running backs. Like I'm not like, I could, I could play them. It's just that in comparison to all the other players on the slate, like if we take a look, if we take a look at the, at the spy, right. Single entry here, are the high, here's, here's, is the highest on players. Keenan Allen, 36%. Okay. There's a 13 game slate and he's a seven K wide receiver. 36%. Lamb, 28%. Herbert, 22%. Cooper, 17%. Zeke, 15%. Uh, Dak Prescott, 12%. Mike Williams, 12%. So Dak, 12 Herbert, 22 A third of the lineups are a stack in that game on a 13-game slate. And a third, more than a third of the lineups have Keenan Allen in those lineups or as one-offs. Then you have Noah Fant at 20%, Cooper Cup at 18%, Najee Harris 28%, Chris Carson 19%. To me, like, like if I get off, if I just remove the ownership of Keenan Allen, CeeDee Lamb, Mari Cooper, and the court, and then like Dak Prescott, like the Mike Williams, like, okay, now build your lineups. It's like you can build any, like, there's so many. There are other games with high totals. It's not like the, this was a 56 total game and like the next best total was 47. Like the, all the games in the, in the late window were good, right? So I, I, I just thought it was, it was fair, fairly straightforward to, to I, thought it was, I thought you got more leverage by fading the stack than, than fading the, the chalky running backs. The only, quite, the only problem, which I brought up on the ASA show, was and I said I mean I solved it uh, yesterday. I mean I just decided on something yesterday. Is that are any of the pieces in the game worth playing? Uh, if you don't have the game stack, if when they're chalk already. I, I mean, me personally, that's why I just like yeah I could play Zeke, I could play Eckler, right? I could do something like that. But like, how, how do all any of these other wide receivers get? How did the, any of these guys have a thirty plus point game without the game stack being the winner? I mean like. 
Like it's very, it's much more likely. So it's like more, so just exit out and, and move on to my net and play, play my Kyler Murray stacks and Tom, Br- Tom Brady plus Mike Evans plus Gronkowski. What's the, okay, there you go. Or Antonio Brown or get, the problem with the Tom Brady stuff is that you got to pick the right, right receivers also. And that's why out of the 25 that I had, I had seven of them, right? Seven of those, seven Buffalo, you know, three Seattle, three Arizona, three Pittsburgh, two Las Vegas, one Rams, right? Having a Cooper Cup, uh, Tyler Higby lineup. Who did they play? I don't even remember. The Rams played the who? Colts. Colts. Oh, yeah. And then Michael Pittman. I had a lot of those. I thought I was, I thought I was king, king shit after the first. First games in the slant and in uh, in my uh, 150 build for the slant, like I was under on Cup, but where I had Cup, I had Michael Pitt. There you go. Or Zach Pascal, but Pascal didn't do that bad. He had he caught a touchdown. So I had like a lot of the secondaries. I didn't have many Stafford stacks, but but like you said, if you were built, you're building three lineups and you wanted to build uh, a Cowboys Chargers game stack. It just you knew that you had to get like really different in the other spots and like in the slant i still had i, I mean if we take a look at, at the stacks i brought up some people here right i mean i still had you know four percent back five percent herbert right but i mean way way under right but we take we take a look across like you know hog lawrence who's a uh oh there you go there you go hog lawrence is in the chat i brought up some i brought up some roto grinders guys right me cheese head chopper Brian Jester, who's on the Torny Takes podcast now with uh, with Kirk D's, and then some chat regulars, Nerdy Tanner, Hog Lawrence. Hog Lawrence just says, screw it. Play zero. No Herbert, no Pres- no, no Prescott, no Wilson. Played Kirk Cousins and Ben Roethlisberger and Derek Carr like it's 2014. <laughs> I love but that. Also, also Tom Brady, same thing, John Brady, Josh Allen. Same with that same side. Brian Jester, zero Brady, but he did. He, he did play. He did play a lot of uh, Prescott and Herbert there. So, but w- wouldn't you agree, James, that if if you were to just X out that game, you could have built virtually any lineup you wanted and be perfectly fine. It's just is it just a lot of people are just too scared to do that. Uh. Yeah, I, from a leverage standpoint, absolutely. Uh, yeah, but a- but you say, say I know what you're going to say. You're going to say that it projected the best out of all the games. And I'm going to say that did it project enough past the other two or three other games, that four or five other games, that it was worth like four times as much ownership? No, no. And, and that's what I'm saying. From a leverage standpoint, absolutely. That makes sense. I, I don't have like, I, I'm not here to argue with you about that at all. Um, I think that when you are building out, especially when you're building out a portfolio, like 150 lineups, like you can take some heavier stands. I, I tend to agree more with what you did where you had like 6% of either side of that game. I, I would have done something similar. I would have covered my bases a little bit there, but I would have been significantly higher on Seattle, significantly higher on Minnesota, Buffalo. I, I had Denver as like the best value stack possible basically. And I did actually go back and forth. Uh, the lineup where I did end up going Dallas chargers, I did go back and forth on whether I wanted a, a Denver Jacksonville stack there instead. 
because of how high I had Cortland Sutton projected and because of how high I had Teddy Bridgewater. And uh, we, we built up a, a model that's called a VPM model. It's um, it goes off Vegas props. So what we do is we take the props that are offered on the players and then we translate them to a fantasy score so that we can see what like Vegas is projecting for the players. And Teddy Bridgewater was one of the highest values in, in terms of Vegas props uh, projected for 24.8 uh, DraftKings points, which is high at, at 5,400. So like, I really was into a Denver stack. I, I would have been high on Denver if I had to build out that portfolio. But the the Dallas Chargers situation, I agree that Xing it out is the easiest way to go about it. Strategically, I agree with you on that. I don't think that it was necessarily the right move since we had so many other spots that were low that could be low owned that would offer indirect leverage in other spots. No, I so like, I agree. I, I agree with you there. And, like, and I agree with you on, on right, right. Point it's as well. a, like like I like I always say about, about certain things where like in baseball, oh, should I play five three stacks or should I play it's like there any anything is viable depending on the specific lineup that you're looking at. But for ease, if you were to show up for a baseball slate 10 minutes before and had to make a hundred lineups, just make five threes and don't worry about it. You're more likely to be more accurate doing it that way finding the plus EV lineups that way. Same reason that I said, like, like if you wanted to make things simple on yourself and not have to weigh whether or not Amari Cooper is worth it in this lineup mm-hmm. or having a, a secondary Mike Williams, CD Lamb stack in this specific lineup, right? And yeah, in your Derek Carr lineup, you could do that, right? In your yeah. Derek Carr, Hunter Renfro, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster lineup, that could be, but it may not be good in another lineup if you don't want to have to deal with those types of decisions and you and you want to just like i just want to play lineups that project well and have these have low enough ownership you just x out that game and build your line like that was that would be the easiest way to do it but like you said like that wouldn't i wouldn't call that the correct way because you now you're missing out on any lineup that could have that game and you could still have plus ev lineups that are better than the ones that you're using that either have that game stack or have players in that game. Yeah. And, and something that we talk a lot about in theory DFS is like trying to put yourself in a position to where you have to have, you have to be right as little as possible and find as much upside out of when you are right. So like crossing out those games makes it so that you like, you're limiting the amount of things that you have to be right about. Right. And and that's something that we talk about a lot, especially when it comes to things like, NFL I mean specifically like like PGA is the ultimate example for me where like since it's just a giant parlay the 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 less things that you have to be right about with PGA the easier your life is going to be which is why I think the people who dive like a million stats deep on PGA it's just like you've given yourself a million things you have to be right about now and like I don't I don't know about that man I'd rather just go off Vegas so things like that um Make it so that you have to be right less often and get a lot of money when you are right those few times. And that's the best way to play DFS. Um, the easiest way to play DFS, not the best way, the, the easiest way to play DFS. So that, that's a good point to bring up. Just, just making it, if you approach this slate five minutes before lock and you're like, well, I have to do something, just don't touch that Dallas Chargers game. And like, you're already probably better off in terms of expected right. value and, than a lot of people right you could have just ran 
just give me, give me, give me game stacks and secondary correlations. And then just whatever the top 50 lineups are without that game, just yeah. give it to me. And yeah. like that, that would have been perfectly fine to do. It yeah. also would have been fine to say, I'm going to, I'm going to X out Najee Harris, Chris Carson, uh, Cooper, Co- uh, Noah Fant and Tyler Higby and the Steelers defense. And, and then, and then run it. Right. Yeah. Like the one-offs at all the positions that, and then, 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 and then, oh, okay. I'm getting a Justin Herbert, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, CD lamb thing with like everything. Okay. That, that works the same way also. Right. You, you just, you X out a whole bunch of the chalky things and then you build lineups. But I mean, understand that you could still have chalk in your lineups. That's why the, it, it depends on the individual lineup. And yeah, my, when, my when people example. are like, like when people are scared, like I'm like number one, don't get scared. Don't play with the money that you can't afford. Right, you play within your means of your bankroll, but understand that like okay, and my twenty five single entry three max types of lineups, I'm barely playing that at all. That's a strategic decision by me. But in the slant, I'm still having some. I can still find some lineups because obviously I need to beat like seventy thousand people in that in that. Okay, so I'll have the diversification there. But also realize I'm playing cash games and my cash lineups on both sites, like half the lineup is from that game. So like, like to me, it's it's like, well, if this game goes off, uh, my GPP lineups are dead, but I'll be fine. But I'm I'm I'll, I'm going to be profitable because my cash lineups are likely going to be good, right? I know that it's chalky in cash, but most likely. And then if the game goes bad, like okay, maybe I'll lose in cash, but I bink a GPP. So I mean, like. Like, like in, in cash, you're looking to play all the chalk. Yeah. So like I got, I got fortunate to be on the right side of a two V two on DraftKings, probably playing Cooper cup from the early games in my cash lineup. So I just stayed pat and there you go. Give me double. I won. Like, I think I won 87% of my head tags. Oh boy. And right. I mean, like, and didn't have to swap or anything. No, no last minute's like, Oh no, I got chase. I got cup. I got, you know, I like, and that's what the, that's what like seven points out of Dak Prescott in my quarterback spot. Yeah. Right. I, I want to highlight something uh, that I explained in the, the Roto Grinders Discord just about cash games in general. Uh, we talk a lot about GPPs, like correlation is good, right? Positive correlation. Can we're going to stack Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, right? Right, James? We talk about that. We, no. we don't talk about when negative correlation is good or negative correlation what these things do is they increase or decrease your variance right the once you attach multiple things together and one thing is related to the other either they all work or they all fail so like you're either going to be on one side of the spectrum or the other side of the spectrum now in gpps that's what you want to be you kind of want to be this in cash you probably don't want to be this so the strategic decision in cash games, I believe this week, depending on the lineup you were playing, but I mean, very, I think it was very straightforward lineups. There were a couple of, a couple of one V one, two V twos, defensive choices. Uh, was that uh, Herbert versus Dak in your quarterback slot, right? In cash games. And my construction, I had CD lamb and Keenan Allen. So in cash, in cash games, I, I mean, my cash lineup was Herbert, Carson, Najee Harris, Cup, Chase, Lamb, Allen, Fant, and the Jets defense. Okay, so I put four wide receivers. Uh, Since I have Allen in my lineup and Lamb in my lineup, I don't have Cooper 
Okay, so I didn't play Amari Cooper in cash on DraftKings. So I was playing CeeDee Lamb. And I wasn't playing both of them. So I was still playing Cooper Cup in that lineup. Because, because of that, I'm playing Dak at quarterback. Now, if I chose to build a lineup without Keenan Allen in it, and I had Cooper and Lamb, like most people would be like, well, you have Cooper and Lamb. Why don't you play Dak? It's like, yeah, well, in GPP I would. But in cash, I know Allen is going to be mega owned. So how do I mitigate Allen's ownership and points? Why don't I get some points when he gets points also? So that's putting Herbert. So if I didn't play Allen, I would play Herbert just so Allen has a good game. Well, Herbert, Herbert's getting, Allen got a touchdown. Yay, but I got four points. So like the difference between, it's like I'm mitigating the damage of Allen. And the same thing for having Dak. That's why I chose Dak. Herbert projected slightly better, Right. I, my, if I if I was going to play the optimal based on my construction, I would have Herbert up there. But I'm just like, I think Amari Cooper is going to be 30 plus percent owned in cash. I'm not playing him because I'm playing Cooper Cup in this spot. Like, let me play Dak just so if, if Cooper has two touchdowns, at least I get those. Right. So anytime anyone has has a Cooper lineup, at least I'm not losing six points. I'm losing two points or three, two and a half, because some people are correlated. So like an average of like three and a half. Uh, I know we don't talk that much about cash games on this show, but that highlights like correlation is neither good nor bad, right? Negative correlation. Oh, you don't, you don't want to play negatively correlated players in your life. Well, that doesn't mean they can't both go off, right? Daryl Henderson had a good game and Cooper cup had a good game, right? If, if a team, if you tell me a team scores 49 points, like, wouldn't I want to play three guys from that team regardless of what their positions are or they take away? Because if that happens, it, it well, they're negatively correlated. Yeah, they're negatively correlated if they only score like what they're expected to score, 24 to 27 points. Mm-hmm. They outperform that by three touchdowns, then, then who cares? Then play everyone. I mean, we saw that with the Titans last year. Tannehill, Brown, and Henry all have 40-plus points. You know, like, how is, that, that makes no sense. It's like, yeah, it makes sense when they score 42 points, right? I mean, like. That's what you need. So James, uh, I, I know you, you don't, you know, I don't even, do you even play cash games in NFL? I did last year. I haven't this year. Okay. Why don't you do, you do in the beginning of the season where there's enough like dumb people play. Uh, yeah. Um, my focuses are just on other things right now. Okay. Like having a kid, it's just, it's my volume has taken a serious shot. In my kids are so minus EV. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, in, in terms of money. Yeah. But life utils, man, fucking just through the roof. Um, no, I mean, my, my cash game strategy has always been, and is always in every single sport, just to play the chalk and literally just like overload your lineup with chalk. I just treat it like a market value. I look at it as saying, okay, well, if I can fill my lineup with all players that are over 50% out, that's always my goal. Fill, fill my lineup with players that are over 50% out. That means that I am representing over half of the field in that contest, meaning that the people who are fading over half the field, fading that 50% combination, they have to be more right than the consensus best plays on the slate. And then if even if they beat me a little bit, like say that I have a full lineup of like 65% on players or something like that, it gives me a better chance of being on the right side of cash, even if I don't do all that well. So I'm not even trying to project the players. I'm just trying to project how much ownership I can get into my lineup so that I can get into that top 50th percentile without even having to care about the outcomes of the games. 
Right. So I, I think about it very differently from a lot of the people who are building out cash lineups. I recently had Brett Healy on the podcast for Pater, um, super cash grinder. And, and I talked to him about that strategy. And of course he had some pushback because he's very good and he knows the projection model, but he's like, that, that actually makes a little bit of sense. And it's and, it's of, one of those things, James, like we said before, but the simplest yeah, versus exactly. best. Is it the best way to do it? No, but is it the simplest? It, it, are you going to be more right? If you have perfect ownership projections, and yeah. you just if you if you if you just optimize by ownership, like literally, just replace the, the f points in in your that's, like. That's what I do. Go to lineup HQ and just replace the ownership column with the points column, and then just run it, and then just whatever's the highest total ownership sum play that lineup yeah no, it, really it, may, it may not contain all the chalkiest guys because obviously you know the you know the pricing matters it's the whatever. highest aggregate right the highest right the highest aggregate and there you go yeah right so if you wanted if you wanted to do it simply yeah and that's how i do things especially in nba um you you'd be amazed because in nba like you you can get a full lineup of like 70 percent on players it doesn't even matter anymore what you do with those players because you're already plus ev for the contest you're already like having a median at that point of like a 60th percentile plus finish everything has to go wrong for you to lose cash with that lineup i mean everything and, and even then you, even if you have everything go wrong like you still have a chance even to then you may still split for the last place yeah. or something right yeah, you may actually get some money back it's a, it's such a funny strategy and it just like, it kind of goes against it. It leans it, so heavily into my concept of like, nobody can really predict the future. So like just do the best that you can at predicting what other people are going to do with the future. And then like, just take advantage of that. Just right, you're not going to beat high stakes like that though. No, 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 like you're that, not. This is the purely low stakes type of Th- This is for the larger field stuff because right. I'm not like a, I'm not like a playing $250 head to heads kind of person. Like I, I'll do like the large double ups and 50 fifties. And I do like head to heads, but I don't play significant volume on it. Um, but this strategy works very, very well. If, if there's a larger field, I mean, if you're dealing with a field of like 50 to hundred people, I, just, just play the ownership game, man. Uh, because you're not trying to finish the, the reason why this works is because you're never trying to finish first ever in cash games. Like, so uh, like just, well, in a, in a head to head, you are, we're talking about double ups. I, hey. James, it's we got some, new people for NFL semantic, season. Semantic we got new people. People, are, I, don't, I, I always have to dumb it down to like, <laughs> what do you mean you don't want to come first in a head to head? We'll sure. get that. We'll get that comment in the YouTube chat. So I need to, I need to clarify it. That's fair. All right. Well, yeah. I, I mean, in the, in these large field stuff, like you, you don't care about coming in first. So don't build lineups that have first place equity. If you have a, a lineup that is filled with 60% owned players, like you're never going to take first unless you split it and you have like a 20 way tie for first, but like you're very likely to finish in the 45th to 25th percentile or something like that. So 60th to 70th to 85th percentile. Yeah. 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 So just like you'll, you'll stick there and that's fine. And that's all that you need to do in cash games. So that's, that's my general strategy. I have not been playing cash for, for, um, for nfl just because of life things um but i do really enjoy it and last year i was really successful i had a 70 percent win rate in cash games last year just using that strategy and it's because i play those lower stakes and i don't have to worry about beating very very good cash game grinders like brett healy and like yourself and right on DraftKings, i can't play the contest under five dollars 
Well, I don't. I mean, I play the the five. I play ten. I play twenty. I I play yeah, those. You play the lard, the lard, the winner is yeah. five thousand single entry double. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And head heads. I had a seventy percent win rate in head heads doing that too. Right. Let your your strategy is based on letting everyone else make the mistakes. Exactly. That's it. That's that's, I mean, that's, that's all. And, and that's, that's what all. my strategy used to be also. But yeah. when you play higher stakes, you people don't really make that many mistakes. People make so you kind of have mistakes. to to push your little edges here and there. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Joe Trafficanti in, in the YouTube chat. Winning lineup in the $50 single entry had Rondell Moore and Vikings D going against each other. It worked out, but usually don't want to be doing that in a GPP, correct? And I'm going to say uh, that it doesn't matter. No. Because points allowed. Are- defensive ceilings have nothing to do with points allowed. If anything, opposing wide receivers and the, and the defenses probably have positive correlation. The, the Vikings, I, I had the Vikings in two out of my three lineups, and I had the Colts in the other one. And, and both the Colts and the Vikings scored over 10 fantasy points. And the Vikings right. gave up like 34 real-life points. doesn't matter. Right. Seal it. Remember, for the median, you have to understand. I mean, this is very important. Players, when we talk about correlation, you have to determine whether or not it's the correlation at the median or at what percentile. So, for instance, if we say that, uh, like, Deon- like Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins at their prices are very correlated at the median. Like, I think their correlation is like 0.44. So, when Kyler Murray has a 60th percentile outcome game, it's more likely that Hopkins has a 60th percentile outcome game. But when Kyler Murray has a 90th percentile outcome game, the correlation to a 90th percentile Hopkins game is negative, right? Because if Kyler Murray has a 40-point game, it's two rushing touchdowns, multiple. Like, he's not just going all, like, Adams and Rodgers may have that, right? But not Hopkins with Murray, right? Because Rodgers could throw to Adams like 700 times, and he doesn't care. But Kyler spreads it out and rushes the ball in and anything like that. So while they're correlated in the 60th but for ceiling for ultimate super ceiling like yeah when Kyler Murray scores 40 points DeAndre Hopkins has 25 which is which still may be fine it still may be fine but probably not going to be 45 not going to be 200 yards and three touchdowns because Kyler Murray is going to be poaching some of these touchdowns running rushing the ball for his ultimate ceiling so for defenses just like running back and defense a lot of people play running back and defense they're correlated at at the 50th, 60th percentile outcomes. At the 90th, they're not, they're, they're, they're almost negatively, I think they're negatively correlated at the 90th percentile outcomes because the 90th percentile outcome of a defense is like pick sixes and special teams uh, returns where they're not getting the ball back. They're just in, they're getting a touchdown and then giving the ball directly back to their opponent. So having Rondell Moore in the Vikings D for their 90th percentile outcomes is actually probably positively correlated because the Vikings D would have to, you know, five sacks, a fumble recovery, a pick six, you know, and then the and then the, the, the Cardinals have to throw the ball a ton and Rondell Moore has eight targets. I mean, like, you have to think in those terms. People uh, use these defenses and are like, oh, I, I, I'm going to play the, this D because they're not going to give up many points. It's like, was that? I don't even care. I don't care what the, t- like, I'm playing the Buccaneers D because the Falcons are bad. Not because the, the Falcons, I'm at zero points. 
I don't care about points. Yeah, sure. You get the shutout. Who cares about it? It's like, it's like uh, in baseball. The equivalent of that in baseball is like, I'm going to play, I'm going to play uh, Zach Greinke because he's going to limit damage and get two strikeouts. It's like, no ceilings on pitchers come from strikeouts. I'll take Robbie Ray instead. Right. Robbie Ray. Yeah. He may walk two guys and, and give up three home runs, but with 11 strikeouts, I'm going to score more points. Right. So is, is that, a, is that, that's something that you see a lot in, uh, in, especially when you build GPP lineups. Like I'd like, to me, people overthink these defenses. Number one, because they're so variant, first off. And number two is that, like, I don't care about points allowed. I just, like, who's going who's gonna to score points on a pick six? And I'm more likely, if anything, to play defenses in shootouts or against teams that throw the ball. Like, that, if you play the Dolphins defense against the Bills, I, I don't blame you because Josh out, they throw the ball. Okay. I mean, it didn't happen. It turns out the Bills defense, you know, you know, pitched a shutout. But to me, I think more about that than like who, the correlation. I don't even, I don't even, I mean, I, I really don't even care a lot, of, especially in showdown. You know how many people don't play the defense of the team? Like, dude, I want two pick sixes and then, then the, the other team has to chuck the ball. Like you could, those lineups are absolutely viable. Yeah, I treat defense pretty much the exact same way that I treat goalies in NHL. Um, neither matters. They just don't. <laughs> well, no, that, that they, no, I, I I say this about soccer, soccer goalkeeper also. Yeah. Uh, it's the, it's the thing that's going to matter the most on if you win or lose. And it's the decision that doesn't matter. Right. Exactly. So here's the thing with all three of those, how do you actually score points with a hockey and NHL, right? It's by blocking shots and by getting shutouts. That and that's that's NHL. Like you just block shots, you get shutouts. I and, that, and that's and by, by the way, James, that's soccer also. I was gonna say, I assume that is soccer also. Block shots, get shutout. All right. Uh, in for for defense, the way that you get points is by getting sacks and by getting defensive touchdowns, and that's it. That uh, there is nothing else. So Jordan, what is the best way? to get sacks in the NFL by playing against a team that's, that's dropping back a lot. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. So, so, so really quick, what teams that drop back a lot, what, what is, uh, they're behind in the game. Oh, oh, and they're behind in the game. Okay, cool. So, so you're telling me that you want to attack teams that pass the ball a lot and are likely going to be behind because they're facing another team that might pass a lot that can score a lot of, there you go. Okay. So, Uh, yeah, defenses, picking defenses, the only two things that matter is how often they can get to the quarterback. And if they're facing a team that passes the ball a lot, like the the fact of the matter is that playing defenses against the chiefs, probably not the worst idea because they pass the ball 82% of the time in the adjusted script, uh, playing defenses. My favorite thing to do in DFS is playing defenses against Arizona. Not because I think Kyler Murray sucks, but because he runs all over the place behind the line of scrimmage, they pass a lot and he's susceptible to getting sacked and throwing interceptions. Same thing with Josh Allen. Same thing with like, same thing we did with Jameis Winston for a year. Exactly. Like these quarterbacks that throw a lot, just target quarterbacks throw a lot in hockey with, with goalies. The reason why I say goalies don't matter is because the goalies that people tend to pick the least are going up against the teams that tend to take the most shots. And the teams that tend to take the most shots are typically chalk. 
So you want to know the best way to get leverage in, in hockey GPPs? Just pick the freaking goalie against the chalk offense and let him soak up shots. The, the average goalie, every goalie in the league has between a 90 and 93% save rate. You're telling me you care about 3% save rate for your 3,000? I, I think it's more of the fact that they're, 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 they're trying to get the shutout. Right, but if you get 40 saves, right? And- well, but it's the same thing in soccer where a lot, a lot you either pay up for the biggest favorite and hope to get the win in the clean sheet, or you go down to the worst goalkeeper, the, the goalkeeper of the biggest underdog, yeah. and hope that he gets 12, you know, six saves. Yeah, and a lot of times, and that's why the tilting thing in soccer is that okay, I'm going to play, you know, it's Man City versus who God knows who. And Ederson is 6,000. And then that God knows who team, the goalkeeper is 3,500. Man City win three to one, right? Uh, the, the winning goalkeeper only gave up one shot, one goal, right? The losing, right? Because Ederson, you know, they won. So that's three points. So that goalkeeper got three points. The underdog goalkeeper who gave up three goals is sitting there with three goals, eight saves, and he has 10 points, right? Yeah, that, that, but that's, I'm assuming it's very similar to NHL DFS, yeah. very, that type of tilting thing of like, if your high-priced goalkeeper doesn't keep, get a shutout, you might as well have played the cheapest goalkeeper on the slate. So like, yeah, defense- if you play, if you play a super expensive goalie against a team with, on a team that has a very good defensive like front, and so the other team can only get off 13 shots. Like, yeah, he got the shutout, but he only had 13 saves. And if that team only wins like one to zero and they rallied off 38 shots, like you got outscored by the other goalie. So th- things like that, people just don't think, people think very conservatively when it comes to these very variant positions. Would you agree with that? Like people yeah, think very conservatively. So when they think conservatively, they're they're like, man, we got to take the defense or the goalkeeper that's going to allow the least points scored. But, but I think that shot. James, I I think the reason why they do that is because it makes sense from a real life yes. perspective, right? But not in a fantasy perspective. But you're not playing to the scoring of the site. I mean, you want when you're taking a defense. The reason why I took the Vikings defense in two of my lineups yesterday is because the the Cardinals can can throw constantly and Kyler can make mistakes and, and they're cheap. I also understand the Vikings defense is cheap and they're like free. They're 2,100 like the Colts, the, the same thing. So in my chargers lineup yesterday, I had Herbert with Mike Williams and Jared cook brought it back with Amari Cooper. And then I had the Colts defense and Cortland Sutton and DJ Chark. So that Colts defense, because I knew the Rams were also going to be the next chalkiest team, that Colts defense gives me a chance to play direct leverage against the Rams lineups. So if the Rams don't get there because the Colts defense did well, then my Chargers lineup actually has a chance at beating out the rest of the field. I know that for the Chargers lineup to be the GPP winning lineup, the Rams can't be, obviously. So playing a defense against them when I know they passed a whole bunch, they have a good efficient quarterback, but he can be passing a lot and throwing interceptions. Like one of those interceptions turns into a pick six. I have a 1% on defense. It was the top scoring defense on the slate. And it's better than what a lot of other people who had charger stacks did. So like B attack those variant positions. 
Like be very, very risk seeking in these variant positions, the, the goalkeeper for hockey, the goalkeeper for soccer defense in, in NFL, like look for risk, look for the spots where you can actually find a ceiling out of it. You don't care about the floor of those positions. The floor isn't going to win you a GPP look for risk with those positions. Let, let, let's take a look at all the defenses on the slate and the average ownership between the spy, the mega millionaire, the wildcat, the slant and the Millie Steelers. 15%, I'm just going to say the first number, two points. Eagles, 10%, one point. Jets, 11%, three points. Cardinals, 7%, one point. Patriots, who were expensive, 6%, 19 points. But if we go down here, look at the bottom. Bills, 1.57%, 22 points. Buccaneers, 1.89%, but they were expensive, 19 points. Bears, 3.78%, 19 points. Vikings, 5.13%, 12 points. What do all these have in common? Pick sixes. I mean, like, like Panthers, Patriots, Vikings, Bears. I mean, Patriot, the Patriots and the Bills were more shutout. Uh, you, I mean, they got 10 points for that. But like all like it's all these ceilings. Look at all at the bottom. Like, like the lowest scoring, it's you know, let's go by <laughs> lowest scoring. The lowest it's scoring team. It's literally right. It's almost it's almost like okay, other than the Falcons and the Dolphins. Like Falcons were barely owned. The Dolphins were 2% owned, but the lowest scoring, the lowest scoring defenses were literally the four <laughs> highest owned defenses. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny to see. Right. But doesn't this show like, don't number one, don't overthink defense, mm-hmm. close your eyes and whatever fits, right? Probably don't pay up in general, although paying up is going to be contrarian, right? To, to some extent, uh, and don't worry so much about well, I can't have my I can't have an offensive player from a deep. No, that's perfectly fine. And then also, don't be so tied into having running back with your defense, right? Like you, oh, you know, like I had a lot of Seahawks defense because I was playing Chris Carson, right? There is some correlation there, but I'm not forcing. I'm not forcing this stuff in. I have a theory. the The highest correlated ceilings for a defense will come from the opposing quarterback. Right. I mean, I do that in showdown. Of course. That's, that's, that's look at Joe, look at Joe, look at what it was going on with Joe Burrow and Matt Ryan yesterday. Yep. Joe Burrow, every time on the red zone, I swear to God, I thought he threw through, through seven interceptions. <laughs> Anytime they showed that game, it was Burrow picks, pick the interception. So, but, but look, but look at, but look at those types of things. Look at Matt Ryan in those types of environments. Ryan throws two pick sixes and then gets, now they're down by even more and he has to chuck even more. So like, like, that's, like that's look, look at Derek way. Carr. Like I know the Steelers didn't play that well, but I mean, Derek Carr put up 26 fantasy points. And it, I mean, like de- people are playing the Steelers defense against him. Like, I, I just, I don't understand. I mean, I understand why. No, it's because people have been, have had it drilled into their heads that like, defense and running back or the correlation that you want no bro we just we just talked through it we showed the numbers the new wave the new way to do things quarterback with your defense just do it just not not forcing oh i have Najee Najee harris on the steelers defense not maybe correlated at the 60th percentile but not at the ninth i mean you don't care about the 60th percentile right in gpp you don't right why are we i mean people oh i can't play the jets like why not like they're playing the Patriots. It's like, but the Jets defense is bad. It's like anyone can get a, it's still another rookie quarterback throwing the ball. I mean, come yeah. on. 
Or are you going to say, oh, they're going to run the ball a lot? Any a fumble recovery? They're in the. I mean, it's just the defense is so variant on a week to week basis. People over. I mean, I mean, I literally don't care. I mean, I in my in my uh, large field one fifty run. I just I don't want to add more than ten percent of anyone. I, I used to do that. Right. One fifty. I would just limit every defense at ten at ten percent. Right, and just whatever fits. Just there you go. Eight yeah. percent. I mean, whatever. Just whatever the hell fits in lineups. Yeah. Just go. Just throw it in. I, don't, I really don't care. It doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't I, I mean, matter. If you think, it's, about, it's, it, if you think about it, uh, probabilistically as well, uh, the average interception rate in the NFL is around two percent. Right. So, uh, if you think about it probabilistically, if two percent of the passes in any given game. Uh, we'll say like 25 pass attempts, right? If 2% of those end up being intercepted on average, the no defense should end up being over, what is that? Like 6%, 5%, 6%, something like that. Well, 25 passes in a game is kind of low. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I just like gave a, a ballpark number. Yeah, but I would probably say uh, maybe 35, say 35 passes on average in a game. Okay, so, so no defense should be more than 9% out. Okay, so there you go. There you go. Just, right, just what do, do you that. think I do? I said, I said, just here, just cap me at like eight to ten percent. Well, I everything. wanted to like actually go through the math in my head so we could like really show the number. And it's it's. Oh, I just 9%. guess at the number. I just guess at the number. I'm just like okay, right? Yeah. Yet I see some people. Some people like, oh, what's the defense? I'm locking him into all of my lineups. Like, what are you nuts? I had three people yesterday ask me what defense I wanted to play. I didn't answer any of them. Right. Just put a random.org. I was like, I don't know, man. I'll play like who fits. I'll, I'll play the Colts because they're against the Rams. I'll play the Vikings because whatever. No matter. I wanted at one point to get up to the Chargers defense. Like I I wanted, they were a little bit too expensive. How annoying is that? That I wanted to leverage that Dallas, that Dallas Chargers game, and they were too expensive for me to put into my lineup. That's lame. I was like 200 bucks away or something. But this is about how, I mean, we've talked longer about defenses in NFL than you should even be considering in your line. I mean, like (laughs) in your lineups, like the decision should take less than a set, like just whatever fits. Yeah. There you go. Move on. It's no, no, no. Now, now the decision is who is, who is my quarterback? Who am I stacking? Play the opposing defense. No, no, I I don't even want to do that. I just pick whatever. I'm doing it. If you took all the well, your 26 defenses, just like put them in a hat and pick one and there, start your lineup from there. And then, yeah, there you go. I mean, it's, 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 it's so high variance. Okay. As I say, then in soccer, people are like, who do I play a goalkeeper? A goalkeeper? Is it a cash lineup? Yeah. Whoever fits. <laughs> right. And the GPP, obviously you, you want the neg- you want the correlation, right. But a defense, you're not playing. You should probably not. You're probably, and I say the word probably, because we have some slates where Cristiano Ronaldo who shoots the ball 14 times, doesn't score or scores. And still the, the, the cheapest goalkeeper is the highest scoring goalkeeper. So even then, like, like I can't believe someone won with the, 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 the team that scored five. I stacked the team with five goals and the opposing goalkeeper and one. Right. And they go, this game is funny. I go, yes, that's why goalkeeper doesn't matter. Right. Oh. So we talk about all this type of stuff, not necessarily for the NFL, but I mean, it applies to NFL in the theory of daily fantasy sports. It's a 15 hour audio DFS masterclass and me, me and James how to think like a professional DFS player. Once, once you, once you listen to this audio course, which, uh, has all these chapters, game objectives, player selection, expected value, leverage, correlation, construction, risk management, exploits, psychology. 
a lot of stuff that we talk about on on, on this show on just obviously all in one place easily structured for for your, your teaching and learning experience uh once you get through this course you'll you'll under, you'll 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 take more of the nihilistic view that that me and james have that most sharp dfs players have it's like oh that the, you'll find out that most of the stuff you're looking at doesn't matter and a lot of and a lot of the results are based completely on luck right and it's just like okay it's like how do you win in a game that has such high variance and little predictive power? Well, just exploit everyone else's ability to thinking that they, they, they can do that, okay? The, the there you go. Lesson. You win, right? You can do it in life too, man. The best thing that you can do is put yourself in position to get lucky. That's it. That's all you can do. And uh, someone in chat wants to know uh, your the the podcast which you you don't I mean you do with 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 dark sheep yeah I do right yes. can you take can you relay this to him I know I, I I'm not in your Discord or anything can you tell him to get a better microphone <laughs> yeah he's working on it so like the problem was that he uh you know how they changed the the new USB to like USB C now or something like that tell him to get a USB-C. better computer then. What the no, hell? I agree. I agree. But he doesn't have the USB-C yet. And so like he wasn't using his actual mic. He's using his phone mic. And it's, it's this whole thing. But I agree. Um, yeah, it's called Don't Follow the Herd. Uh, it is actually Dark Sheep's podcast from uh, back when they had DFS Academy. I'll, I'll respond to you on Twitter. I know. I think you just asked me that um, on Twitter. I'll respond to that for you or I'll post okay, a link. But but. but. He's going to be doing that once a week or something with different people or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we record every Wednesday. It's usually a Thursday. So this next week, uh, I think we have Derek Cardi on, uh, and then the week after that, or maybe it's Ryan. I, we have Derek Cardi coming on soon. We have, uh, Ryan Hodge coming on soon. We'll we'll have a couple other guys from the industry coming in in, in the next couple of weeks too. Right. Not me though. No, I was going to ask if you wanted to be. I'm, I, I, I'll be on anything. What is Are it you going to charge me fifty to hundred dollars? Oh yes, yes, you're right. I'm going to charge. I, I got to charge money to be on podcast now. <laughs> I didn't realize we could do that. I, I yeah, didn't realize no, that's that's the new thing. The, the, the new, new thing things to charge from this money week. to be on podcast. Charging to be on podcast and playing defense against quarterback. Right there, you go. The new trend in the industry. So pay dirt <laughs> underscore DFS on Twitter. You got your domain name figure out. You got your WordPress site up, right? PaydirtDFS.com. It's, it's all working. The subscription. No more ghosts. No more ghost.io bull crap, right? The, the paywall is working. That that site is still up until the end of the month, just for people who have not transferred over yet. But yeah, PaydirtDFS.com. Um, I still don't have an about page, but like, bro, I'm getting there. So we'll we'll get it completed hopefully by NBA season. And you could follow me at BlenderHD on Twitter. Give me those thumbs up. Give me the thummy thumbs on your way out the door. I'll be on later tonight for the, the showdown pre-lock show with uh, with Will, Chief Justice. Uh, we've got, what, the Lions and the Packers tonight with uh, Tyrell Williams out. So we'll probably get some cheap pieces of Lions that will be chalky and hopefully not get there. They'll probably be playing other people. But but we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what's going on. So give me those thumbs ups. Give me the subscribe buttons. Give me the notification bells. Uh, I think ML, we got some grinders live later today, right? Uh, baseball stuff. We got baseball stuff that's still going on, right? I think so. Uh, so, so yeah. So keep on tuning into the YouTube channel because uh, that's what I do here, right? Teaching you DFS strategy, reviewing slates every Monday through Friday, eleven o'clock Eastern, on the DFS pregame show.
on rotogrinders.com. 